Hey, good morning everybody. The papers that you have in front of you with the Hebrew and English is the first half or so of the Rambam's introduction to Mishnah Torah. So what I would like to do is ask you all while you're eating um, to just take a few minutes to browse through it and uh, just become familiar with it, see if any particular thoughts come to mind or any particular sections stand out and then um, we'll go through some points together. Okay, any, before we start, any particular thoughts or questions come to mind? When it refers to each person. Excellent, excellent question. Thank you for bringing that up. I was, uh, a big part of the class today will be focused on that. Mark is pointing out that, okay, so, so just we back up a second. So, so, so this is the first part of the introduction of the Rambam in which he is describing the chain of tradition from, as we say, at the very beginning of Pirkei Moses gets the Torah from Sinai and passes it from generation to generation. And there seems to be an emphasis on so-and-so gets it from so-and-so to so-and-so to so-and-so, but we have the Bezdin, the, the Bezdin of each of those people. So, so Yehush, um, say, David HaMelech is part of the chain. He is, uh, is he, I think he's part of the chain. Yeah, yeah. Um, right. So it's not just David Hamelach; it's David Hamelach and his Bezdin. And by the way, I'll point out that there are a number of exceptions to that rule. If you look at it, um, so firstly, okay, starting off from Yehoshua. Yehoshua gets it from Moshe. There's no from Moshe and his Bezdin. Now, even though Moshe definitely did have a Bezdin. Moshe had the 70 elders who he was the head of, but it doesn't say that Yehoshua got it from Moshe and his Bezdin. Yehoshua gets it just from Moses. But from Yehoshua and on, it's always the plural. It says, Kenim Rabbi, many elders received from Yehoshua, which are what we refer to in Pirkei as the Kenim, the elders. And then from then and on, there's always the plural. So Eli gets it from the elders and from Pinchas. Shmuel gets it from Eli and his Bezdin. David gets it from Shmuel and his Bezdin, right? and so on and so forth, and at some point it actually switches to not just so-and-so received from so-and-so and his Bezdin, but it switches to so-and-so and his Bezdin received from so-and-so and his Bezdin. So, in the beginning we have um, the Bezdin enumerated just on the transmitting side of it, and then somewhere during the flow we it, I add that the Bezdin is also there on the receiving end of it. I'm not sure, I don't, I don't know why that, that switch is. But you can see that switch happens. Amish, Yeshaya, Yoyo, Oh, it's just the very last one. Okay, so that makes sense maybe. Ezra based, oh no. Uh, from Ezra. Ezra based Dinoi. Ezra and his Bezdin, if you're looking, there's no page numbers, but it's page 3, um, the end of the third paragraph in English. Ezra and his court received the tradition from Baruch Baneria and his court. And then it explains how Ezra and his court are referred to as the Anshei Knesset Zagdela, the men of the Great Assembly. And then from then on, after the Anshei Knesset Zagdela, we're always referring to so-and-so and his court received the tradition from so-and-so and his court. So I'm not sure why that changes, why that changes made, but we will be addressing um, about why, what, 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 why is the role of the court so essential over here? Why does the Rambam keep on emphasizing that? Um, but before that, so thank you for bringing that up, Mark. Okay, let's. And it says in, uh, when it says Rabban Yochanan ben Zadai, 
What page are you on? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Rebbe yeah, mentions the five, the mentions the five students of Rebbe Yehoshua Even though only one of those five students is, because if you look at the end, I don't know if everybody got to the end, but at the end he says, um, he says, thus there were forty generations from Ravashi back to Moshe Rabbeinu. He goes one, two, three, four, in that until forty. In that list, there's no Bezdins. It's only all in the singular. So and so from so and so from so and so from so and so. Um, and there, so there, Rabbi Yochanan Manzaka's five students are not mentioned. There's only one of them, I think, who's. Uh, in fact, is Rabbi Yochanan Manzaka even in that list? No, he's Rabbi Yochanan Manzaka. Yeah, but I don't even know if he's. Yeah, I don't know if Rabbi Yochanan Manzaka is even in that list. Is he? No, you have Rabbi Yochanan. Okay, we'll, we'll get to that. Fine. So let's go back first to the beginning, where it says Moses receives the Torah, da da da, and then look at the top of page two of the thing. It says Moshe Rabbeinu personally transcribed the entire Torah before he died. He gave an entire Torah scroll. He gave a, ty- a Torah scroll to each tribe, and placed another scroll in the Ark of the Testimony, um, as Devarim thirty-one twenty-six states. Take this Torah scroll and place it beside the ark, and it will be there as a testimonial. So there's 13 tribes, we're counting Menashe and Ephraim as two. Moshe writes 13 Sifri Torah before he dies, and he gives one to entrust to each Shevet. This is explicit in the Bible. But you look a scribe, uh, a sofer today takes a really long time to write a Torah. How did he get 13 of them done? Uh, that's because they have inflation. <laughs> <laughs> Um, no, he was in the desert for 40 years. No, but, but Rashi does actually say that this was a miracle that happened. Okay. That he wrote 13 Sifritur on one day. <coughs> I don't remember hand where the Rashi is. And in fact, task. if I recall correctly... Wow. He write, wrote with one with the right hand and left it so that he cut a little bit out <laughs> half the time just by doing that. There's actually, a, there's actually a, another question because... The question is, did Moshe die on Shabbos? If he died on Shabbos, that would be a bigger problem. Anyway. <laughs> okay. Um, no, but it could be Hashem who gave him the commandment to do it, so it overrode Shabbos. Okay. So, what hap- so, so, so there's 13, 12 of them get to eat tribes, and the tribe, the Sefer of Shevet Levi gets put in the Orin. Yeah, there's a Machlokus in the Gemara if it was actually inside the Orin or if there was a protruding shelf out of the Orin that was on that shelf. But Akaponim, that Sefer was... Um, put away as a testimonial, he says, a testimonial in the Oren. And um, the Medrash brings this as a, in Psikta on Parshas Vizoy Sabrocha, Psikta Daravkana, where it says, Rabbi Noyo B'Shem Rav Huna says that Moshe Rabbeinu wrote 13 Torahs, 12 of them gave to the 12 tribes, and one for his own tribe, the tribe of Levi, She'em Bikesh Echot Min Ashrotim Laku Dover Echot Min If one of the Shvatim would seek to uproot something from the Torah, the, the, the tribe of Levi would um, would would uh, would bring out their own Sefer Torah from the Oren and and um, correct the, the 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 forgery or whatever from their own Torah. So, in other words, Shevet Levi and this this Sefer Torah in the Oren is there to preserve the authenticity of Torah. If anybody tries to make any change, whether whether they, I mean, he's it's master from the Medrash deliberately, but it could also be 
you know, over time people make mistakes. So if you ever want to know what's the 100% accurate, you don't know exactly a certain word of the Torah, the Sefer Torah in the Orion is always there to refer back to for 100% accuracy. Um, interestingly, two times in history where this seems to have actually been relevant. Number one, there's a Gemara in Mayat Cotton. Reb Rich recently finished Mayat Cotton. And then in, 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 uh, in Mayat Cotton, in the end of Mayat Cotton, it talks about, no, in the beginning of Mayat Cotton, it talks about all the laws that you are, are or not allowed to do on Chalamayat. So one of the things it says in the Mishnah, it says, Ein magiyin ois achas afilu b'sefer ezra. You're not allowed to, um, you're not allowed to write on Chalamayat. Um, we're not going to get into the now the practical laws of writing a Chalamayat, but you're not allowed to write on Chalamayat. Even one letter from the Sefer of Ezra. She actually says, what's the Sefer of Ezra? The Sefer Torah of Ezra. Ezra, the leader of Israel, Ezra, was Ezra Ha Sofer. He was, a, right? So he has a Sefer Torah, which is um, very uh, reliable. And in fact, the Rambam in chapter 8, I think, of um, Hilcha Sefer Torah, he talks about, he, I think, if I recall correctly, he references Sefer Ezra there, where it's connected to the Kesar Aram Tzoyva. How do you say that in English? The what? Uh, the Kesar Aram Tzoyva, the, the, the Tanakh that uh, many people say is the most reliable one. Mm. What's it called? Uh, all right, whatever. Ha, 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 um, what's the word you're saying? Kesar Aram Tzoyva, that's what it's called. Aram anyway, whatever it is. Okay, so so, th- so that's what it means, that even you have a Sefer Torah, you want to correct it because you've seen that in Ezra's Sefer Torah, the more accurate one, it says, so you want, you know, you're not allowed to do that in Chalamayit. Then Rashi says, V'ani shamati azara behei. The word Ezra is spelled Ayin Zayin Reish Aleph. If you make one change and you say it's not Ezra, it's Azara, it means the Sefer of the Temple, Right? That even if you want to change a sefer Torah, not not to edit it from the sefer of Ezra Hasofer, but to edit it from the sefer of Moshe Rabbeinu, Azara, then you wouldn't be allowed to do that on Chalamayit. Now, another reference to this is in Melachim two, chapter twenty-two, where we have the whole uh, story, famous story maybe, of um, of um, who was it? The king. Um, he finds the Sefer Torah and uh, he gave it to Shafan and they found the and then they read from the Sefer Torah and this was part of reinstituting after a long period of neglect and of Judaism and, and serving idols and all that yes. stuff where Juda- Judaism was rejuvenated um, a bit of a ignoramus and nach but I'm pretty sure this is the story that's also referenced in the beginning of Yermia, where Yermia was a child when this story happened, he witnessed this. Is that right, or am I completely off? Um, anyway, so over there, in the, that's in, in, in Melachim 2, chapter 22, um, verses 8 and on, and over there, the Radak says that basically what happened was that the Radak is Rabbi David Kimchi, is one of the primary commentaries on, on Tanakh, and he says that this was after the 55-year reign of the wicked king Menashe, where the Torah was all about forgotten, and they went into the Beis Hamikdash with the intention of refurbishing it. And while they were there, they chanced upon this Sefer Torah that Moshe Rabbeinu had put into the Aron, into the Kodesh Hakadoshim, and that's what's going on over here. Okay, let's move on.
Let's go back to our source sheets, again, page 2, and let's read this carefully. The mitzvah, i.e. the explanation. So the Rambam is saying that there's Torah and mitzvah. Torah refers to, in this context, to the written law, and mitzvah refers to the oral law. The mitzvah, i.e. the explanation of the Torah, he did not transcribe. Instead, he commanded it verbally to the elders, um, to Yeshua, and to the totality of Israel. As Deuteronomy 13.1 says, Yeshua be careful to observe everything that I prescribe to you. And for this reason, it is referred to as the oral law. Okay, now, even though the oral law was not transcribed, Moshe Rabbeinu taught it in its entirety to his court, to the 70 elders. At last, the Pinchas and Yeshua received the tradition from Moses. Um, okay, so here already we see Moshe teaching it to his entire court. Then it says, in particular, well, it doesn't say in particular in the, in the text that's added in, right? Moshe transmitted the oral law to Yehoshua, who was his primary disciple, and instructed him regarding it. So there's, there's, um... What does that mean, instructed him regarding it? Thank you for asking that mm-hmm. question. If I don't get back to it in a few minutes, remind me. Um, so... But again, but the, po- the point is, both, both uh, Steve and Mark, the point over here is every single word in the Rambam has an exact meaning and he has an agenda in those words and there's nothing just, right? So both of you picked up on very important points. Um, but if you just look at, this, um, at this, this paragraph, there's three different types of transmitting or teaching that, we're ta- that are mentioned here. <coughs> Firstly, it says that Moshe Rabbeinu taught it, Limdo is the Hebrew, he taught it to the entire court and to the 70 elders. And then we have that Elazar Pinchas in Yeshua received the tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu. And then we have Mesorah the Yeshua, which is also the, word, the language Pirkei chapter 1, Mishnah 1, uses that Mesorah, he transmitted it to Moshe Rabbeinu, to, to Yeshua. So those are there's three things going on over here. There's teaching, there's tr- receiving, and there's um, transmitting. By the way, if you look in the Gemara where it talks about the Seder of how Moshe Rabbeinu gave over, so it talks, it explains in detail the whole thing. First he said it to Aaron, then to da 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 da. In that list, Pinchas and Yehoshua are nowhere to be found. It talks about Elazar. Elazar is mentioned in that list, but Pinchas and Elazar are not in that list. So the the Mefarshim asks, well, where does the Rambam get it from? Get this from that? Why does he sing, single out Pinchas and Elazar? Um, yeah, more than the Gemara does. So the Meiri says that uh, it's very obvious. It says the, the Medrash says uh, the Gemara says Elazar and his son. Uh, sorry, Aaron and his sons. So Aaron and his sons means Elazar, um, Elazar and Esamar. Uh, Elazar and Esamar. Um, but um, but Pinchas was a grandson. So Meiri says, okay, you know, Elazar, Aaron and his sons includes also his grandson, and Yehoshua says explicitly in the Torah, though he never left Moshe Rabbeinu's side. So if he never left Moshe Rabbeinu's side, then clearly he was there when, when this happened. But those three things are not the same. The three things of tra- teaching, receiving, and transmitting. Yeah. yeah, they're not the same. Very good. Okay, so let's, let's address that. Um, The, the agenda of the Rambam in general, when this whole, this whole 
part of the introduction, <coughs> is to demonstrate the truth of Torah, the, tr- the reliability of the tradition that we have. Right? That's what he says. We have 40 generations, so-and-so to so-and-so to so-and-so to Moshe Rabbeinu to God. Right? Um, and with every single one of them, he adds the Bezdin. As we pointed out before, with the exception of Yehoshua, even though Moshe Rabbeinu has a Bezdin, Yehoshua doesn't receive from Moshe and his Bezdin, Yehoshua receives from Moshe Rabbeinu. Mm-hmm. And Steve, that's the, um, that's, that, that's the words you just pointed out. And again, a lot of sometimes the exact meaning can be a little bit um, obscured in translation, but that's what this means. He transmitted the oral law to Yeshua v'tzivahu aleho, and he maybe a better translation would be, and he entrusted him with it. So specifically, Yeshua. So even though Moshe Rabbeinu taught Torah to everyone, and even though there's three levels of it, he taught Torah to the whole Jewish nation. Specifically, the Sanhedrin, the 70 elders, and the Lazar and Pinchas, they received from Moshe. So they were in a, in a closer niche of students than were the rest of Israel. But there was one person who was entrusted with the responsibility of transmitting the Torah in its entirety from Moshe Rabbeinu to the rest of the generations. And that was Yeshua. And that's what this means. He he gave. He, he transmitted. That's the only time we have this word. He transmitted um, the Torah. The Torah. Um, bam, bam, bam. Yeah, he transmitted the Torah to Yeshua and entrusted him with it. He entrusted him with it, and we're going to get back to that soon. We'll add more detail to that soon. Transmitted doesn't necessarily say right. Well, transmitted means that he transmitted and entrusted him with it. Means that. Yehoshua is abs- is taking over Moshe Rabbeinu's role absolutely. And by the way, there's another thing that Yehoshua and Moshe Rabbeinu have in common that no one else in the f- history of our people have in common. <laughs> and by the way, this is going to be Mashiach too. Hopefully we'll see if we have time. We'll get to that. Eliyahu's uh, WhatsApp status, as you'll, you'll know this already. <laughs> right? Yehoshua yeah, um, and Moshe Rabbeinu were the only two prophets of the Jewish people that were also, they were the king and the prophet. After Yeshua, we have the period of the judges, where there's no king, and from then on, the roles of king and prophet are split into two. Right? Mm-hmm. Moshe and Yeshua were both a prophet and a king. Mm. Right? So, and we'll, hopefully, I hope we have time at the end to tie this back to Moshiach. Well, David, David was also a prophet. Well, he had prophecy, but he wasn't the role of the prophet of the <coughs> Jewish people. Right. You had Nasan Hanavi was the prophet, right? What I'm seeing is that there, we're, mm. Moshe Rabbeinu taught the, the Shivim Zikainen, yeah. right? But when it comes to being Moser, the Torah, transmitting and entrusting it's someone, Yeshua. that's only Yeshua. Exactly. So he did do something with others. Of course, yeah, no, that's the thing. Everybody's Everybody's taught from Moshe Rabbeinu. And then after that, we keep seeing the Lashon of Kibbutz. The Bezdin. No. Yeah, no. Pl- yeah. After, for post-Yeshua, it's everybody is receiving from the previous generation with the Bezdin. And, but you're not seeing the word Messira anymore. Correct. 
But it seems that there's another level too, because Elazar Pinchas and Yeshua. Oh, very good, Doctor Bridge. What about Elazar and Pinchas? Maybe we should say Reb Shimon. Doctor Shimon, especially when the week of Lag Boomer. Doctor Shimon, Doctor Shimon. What about Elazar and Pinchas? Now, if you notice, Elazar and Pinchas. Um, if you notice, Elazar and Pinchas, they're up there in being, they all received from Moshe Rabbeinu, right? If you look at the end of, Elazar and Pinchas Yeshua received the tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu, and then the next paragraph says that Moshe transmitted it to Yehoshua and entrusted him with it, right? So, on the one hand, we're saying they all three received from Moshe Rabbeinu, so we're kind of extolling the virtues of the, their virtue, but we're singling out Yehoshua. Now, if you look at the end, where it says um, the, the, the 40 generations, so, um, right, not the, not right at the very end, look at number 37. And on. 37, Eli receives from Pinchas. And who does Pinchas receive from? It doesn't say Pinchas receives from Yehoshua, from Moshe. It says Pinchas received from Yehoshua. Because even though Pinchas did receive from Moshe on some level, but after Moshe Rabbeinu dies, Yehoshua continues with the development... Okay, so <laughs> I'm kind of getting a little bit ahead of myself. We're going to see soon in the Rambam that there's three functions of each generation that receives and then passes on the tradition. There's three functions, right? First of all, you're receiving the written law. Sorry, the oral law. The oral law is... Says in the Torah, put on tefillin. What's tefillin? We have no idea what tefillin are. The oral law tells us it's four paragraphs, it's square, it's black, right? That's the oral. So, number one, the transmission of the of, of, of the Bezdin. And if you look throughout the Hakdom, it's very clear that the Rambam is trying to um, emphasize these three steps. There's number one, transmitting the, the oral the oral law, the tradition which we spoke about in the very first paragraph that Moshe Rabbeinu receives. The, the mitzvah, the, uh, the, the, the explanation of the mitzvah, that's number one. Number two is um, things that they derive with the 13 principles. That means if a question arises, are, is this type of whatever, is this type of blood pure and impure? And we don't know. We don't know the answer from tradition. So then the Sanhedrin, the high court, the seven of the elders convene, and they, um, they, they, they utilize the tools of the, let's say, the Shloisha Semitis, the 13 principles with which the Torah can be expounded, as we, which we say every morning in Davening, and they all convene, and they figure out, okay, you know what, we don't have an explicit um, law that tells us this, but we have a Kavachayma, we have a Gzera Shava, we have one of the other principles that, that from here we know that the Halacha in such and such a case is that this woman is pure, or that this woman is impure, and then that now becomes part of the Torah that is now passed on to the next generation. Mm-hmm. Right, so, and the third thing is takonos um, uxeris, institutions or decrees that mm-hmm. the Sanhedrin of each generation see necessary to um, do so. For example, came a certain time, and Shlomo Hamelech decides from now on we have to institute eruv. You can't carry or whatever it is without an eruv. Comes a certain time along, and David Hamelech, based on the whole story of Amnon and Summer, decides we now have to forbid yichud. 
for a single woman to be in seclusion with a man. Beforehand, it was only forbidden for a man to be in seclusion with a married woman or a woman who would be forbidden for him, for him to marry. But a, sing, a man with a single woman who he would be permitted to marry would be allowed to be in seclusion. David HaMalach made a from now on, that's forbidden, right? So that's a third thing which the Sanhedrin of each generation have to assess the situation of their constituents, yeah, of their generation, and see which Takanus, make Purim, make Hanukkah, make Tishabaf, right? Which Takanus and Xerus need to be made now, and they enact them. So again, we have three things that the Sanhedrin are responsible for. Number one, the oral law. Number two, new things which have been discovered or deduced using the tools of the 13 principles. And number three, new decrees and Takanus um, institutions read the Megillah, wash your hands before bread, don't carry without an Erev, those type of things which each, each court decides based on the needs of that generation and passes on to the next generation. So when it comes here to the Pincha, to, to this, to number 37 and 38, on the one hand, Pinchas did receive from Moshe Rabbeinu, but Pinchas also, he wasn't, he wasn't the tra- transmitted, yeah, it was Yehoshua who was transmitted from Moshe Rabbeinu, and don't forget, Pinchas lives a long time after Moshe Rabbeinu dies during the reign of Yehoshua. During all those years of the reign of Yehoshua, there are new things which are discovered. There are new things which are discovered through the Shloshim in the 13 principles or new decrees and takonis that are made, which are numbers 2 and 3 of the three things that the Bezdin are responsible for. So Pinchas's tradition from Moshe Rabbeinu is not complete. In order for him to have a complete tradition to pass on to the next generation, he needs to incorporate also that which he has received from Yehoshua. So that's why in number 37 and 38, it says Eli receives from Pinchas, and Pinchas receives from Yehoshua. Because even though Pinchas also received from Moshe, but in terms of being the one to pass it to the next generation, it's Pinchas and his Bezdin from, from Yehoshua. Yes? Isn't there a, a, a point where Moshe Rabbeinu forgot everything and then had to do you can, we're going to get to that. Not exactly, but we're going to get to that. Um, and then, number 39, no, number 4, sorry, I'm missing 38. 39 didn't come on. 39 is, <laughs> is cut off from the paper, but 39 is Yehoshua from Moshe. And then number 40 is Moshe Rabbeinu from God. Now, if you, if you notice, by the way, that over here, Al-Lazar is not in the picture. So when before, when I, the Rambam mentioned Al-Lazar, he was just telling us about Al-Lazar, because Al-Lazar's Whatever, he gets, a, he gets a token mention. Now, obviously, nothing that the Rambam says is just token, and there's certainly a good reason why it's necessary for the Rambam to say it. But in the, in, in the tradition of 1 to 2 to 3 to 40, Elazar is nowhere to be found. So, uh, yes. After well, these 40 generations, was that when the decision was made to write down the oral law? The written, writing of the oral law already happens within the end of those 40 generations, but the end of those 40 generations is what the Rambam refers to as the Chesimus Talmud, the sealing of the Talmud, and that was, according to the Rambam, the last time that there was a single, unified uh, Bezdin that, 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 um, that is binding upon all Jewish people. Afterwards, you have, you know... What we know now is Sfar Damashkenazi, Maiminag, Yerminag, but you know, already went then to. It was based on your community. Yeah. Okay. Um, now, the I saw an interesting. Uh, I saw an interesting word just to just to understand the, the the role or the status of the 
leader, the, the transmitter of the tradition in every generation, is that the Rambam starts off, we have Tershah B'chsav and Tershah B'alpeh, the written law and the oral law. The written law, how do we make sure that gets transmitted safely from generation to generation? We have the Sefer Torah in the Aaron. How do you make sure the oral law gets passed on? That's Yeshua, Pinchas, Eli, right? So we have this two, two, two sides of the coin of the Torah, and we have the Sefer Torah and the head of the Bezdin of each generation. Just a nice, uh, a nice uh, imagery to think. Now, where does, where, does, um, where does the Rambam get it from that Yehoshua is the transmitter? Um, by the way, it's interesting, the Rambam says the words, um, to, to, to Yehoshua, who was his student. And perhaps the Rambam is alluding to the fact that um, it says in the Gemara that the reason why Yehoshua was Zoycha merited to be the tra- transmit to, to, to receive so much from Moshe is because um, he was He worked very hard on it. He was Rashi says in the beginning of Pirkeiovis, he was he really toiled and literally means he put himself to death on it. But it means he gave his whole life for it. Um, he was He never left Moshe Rabbeinu's side, so he's, he kind of deserved it. And perhaps the Rambam is alluding to that when he gives Yeshua this honorific Shahu Talmido. He is the Talmud in the singular of Moshe Rabbeinu. But be that as it may, where does the Rambam get it from? Where is this told to us in the Torah? So the truth is, in the Torah, you have a number of times the idea that Moshe Rabbeinu is mitzaveh Yehoshua le'inehem. He, let's say, commands Yehoshua in front of the Jewish people. You have it in Bamidbar 27, that's in Parshas Pinchas. You have it in... Um, uh, Vayelech in Dvarim uh, chapter 31. Um, and there's in a number of other places, I think, too. It's a, it's a few times in Vayelech. That word, Vatsava. So, what does that word Vatsava mean? So, the Ramban says that on a Pshutish on Mikra level, on a, on a uh, just to read the Pasuk, you could interpret it to mean that he was giving him, over, uh, transmitting the leadership of the Jewish people to Yehoshua. As, as, as the king, as the, you know, telling them what to do, like uh, Parnas to, to tell them what to do. But the Ramban brings a Medrash Sifri, um, and uh, there's an, I think it's in a number of places in Midrashim that that word Vatsaveno refers to Divrei Torah, that I'm passing, I'm, 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 I'm passing this on to him, not just passing on the leadership of the Jewish people to him, but passing on the transmission of Torah to him, and that's and that's where the Raman gets it from. And just another interesting, another interesting reference, which is mentioned in by the Brisker of this is a Brisker part at the end of Parshas Beshalach, which is what we read on Mark's birthday, on Purim. We have the War of Amalek, right, Mark? Yes. So over there. It says, God says to Moshe, inscribe the story of how Amalek attacked the, 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 the Jewish people as a memorial in the book and recite it in the ears of recite it in the ears of Yehoshua, etc. So we have here two details: write it in the book and put it in the ears of Yehoshua. So the Briskorov says this is the illusion that recited in the book. That's the Transmission of Torah Shabbat of the written law, 
the symbol also Yeshua put it in the ears of Yehoshua is Torah, Torah Shabbat Peh, which is specifically to Yeshua. And here we come to what Avram mentioned about the story. So the story is like this. It's a Gemara in Tamura, I think. Let me see if I can find the exact story. Hold on. Here we go. It's a Gemara in Tamura, number 16a, where it says that when Moshe Rabbeinu died, there were 300 halachas which were forgotten in the days of the morning of Moshe Rabbeinu. So the people wanted to assassinate Yehoshua, right? And then there's a whole story. They asked Yehoshua to, to reinstate them with prophecy. Anyway, it's a whole Gemara over there. But what we see from that Gemara is that even though Moshe Rabbeinu taught many people, and he taught the elders, and he taught Aaron, and he ta- well, Aaron had died already, but he taught Elazar and Isamar and Pinchas, etc., etc., it was specifically Yehoshua who was the venue of everybody's uh, frustration because he was the one who was responsible to transmit it. And if he had forgotten 300 laws, so then um, he was the one who was responsible. Don't that worry. Why, is that why they wanted to assassinate him? Yeah. No, because that's the word. That I think the Biskarov may even say this. That he was responsible for it. That's so harsh. Okay, so that's the whole, <laughs> we're not learning that whole Gemara now. I'm just bringing the, the, from that Gemara, I'm just bringing the point that we see again that Yeshua was the one who was responsible. If anybody is worried that there might be some very important halachas that we don't know, don't worry. The Gemara says that Khalif reinstated them with his, with the 13 principles. So we got at work, them. At work we have this concept of single point of accountability. Oh, so, that's here. Uh, is that what uh, Yeshua... Tell, Yeshua tell us more about that. What is single point that, of that's, accountability? That's the person who doesn't necessarily know everything. But if you got a problem, that's the person you go to, and they're supposed to solve it figure out who to contact if they don't know the information themselves. But they're, they're held accountable. Interesting. So, maybe he didn't... He is the single point of accountability. I like that. I like that. I like that idea. But that person doesn't necessarily know... Well, here it's different. You're sure I'm supposed to know. You knew everything and he forgot. You're supposed even to know. Even though others, even though there was redundancy in, in that information, because others were also learning from Moshe. Yeah, but it's Yivahu Olav, like you pointed out. Yeshua is the single um, one entrusted entrusted with the thing. And it's interesting, so in order to um, to get back these uh, halakhos that were lost, it wasn't Yeshua that ended up doing it, it was someone else. So yeah, but it was done with the Shloshas and Midas and the, 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 the participation of the Sanhedrin as per the rules of those, as per the parameters of how that works. Right, I'm just saying that it seems like there's different talents. Yeah, I think they said that this is. I don't well, remember the, all the details the, uh, of the story. That was the, whoever was whoever was going to be successful in doing it would marry. Uh, I, I don't. I don't want to say because I just don't, I didn't look up the Gemara recently and I, I don't remember the details. Okay, now, so much has been made of the fact, and Mark mentioned this right at the beginning, that we're mentioning here the Bezdin. So why does the Rambam mention the Bezdin? So to start off with, the Rambam himself addresses this question in a letter which he writes to Rapinchastayan, which is, um, uh, it's, it's a, it's a, I think it's actually the first of a series of letters, but it's a letter responding to criticism on the Mishnah Torah. And basically the Ramam says, you're accusing me of such and such, how could you accuse me of such? How can you accuse me of that? You didn't even take the time to read my book. If you read my book, I explicitly um, address that, or explicitly, or, or at least implicitly, um, you know, 
address it, whatever it is. So, in that letter, um, the Rambam writes that the reason why I keep on mentioning the Bezdin, the Bezdin, the Bezdin, the Bezdin, is in order to demonstrate that this is not just like one person received from one person, you know, like, go know, how do you know if it's really true? The reason we know it's really true is because it wasn't just one person from one person, it was many, many people. So after Yehoshua, you have this Kenim, and then after, well, this Kenim means men, is Kenim Rabin. The Rambam writes, Kenim Rabin, many is elders. And then it's everyone and the Bezdin, and the Bezdin, and the Bezdin. And later on, you have, I'm not going to spend the time now to control F and find it, but somewhere here, the Rambam has the word Alafim or Avavis. Thousands and ten, here we go, it's on page, um, I don't know, I can't get page numbers here, but over here it says, um, There are great sages who were part of the court of Rabbeinu HaKadosh who received the tradition from him, his sons, Shimon Gamliel, Ephes, Rebchanin, 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 and these, um, and thousands and myriads of other sages received the tradition from Rabbeinu HaKadosh together with these great sages, okay? So there's, a, there's the... There's the emphasis here on the Bezdin because the Rambam is trying to emphasize that it's the many from the many. This is a, 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 a sort of a, te- a test to the legitimacy that this is something which was... So on the one hand, we have one person who is responsible for the transmission to it, but he's in partnership with his Bezdin. So, you know, he's the Rosh Bezdin. The, not, the, the leader of each generation is the Rosh Bezdin who has the primary authority and responsibility, but the the Bezdin are also a part of it. Yeah, there were many there were many um in the lifetime of the Rambam there were many challenges to him, including to his writing of the Mishnah Torah. And I mean, in that letter, they said, uh, you're writing the Mishnah Torah as if we don't have to learn Gemara anymore. And the Rambam writes, what are you talking about? I'm not against learning Gemara if you have the skills for it, and I myself teach Gemara to people. And it's a fascinating letter. Anyway. Yeah, but it was based on something he did right. What do you mean? He gave, he gave the impression that you, you basically, you could have the Torah, yeah, yeah. my Sefer will be enough. And yeah. it sounded like it was... Yeah, no, there's no question that the Rambam... Yeah, okay, the, getting in... It was the, sufficient. The Rambam's attitude to Gemara, learning Gemara and the Rambam's attitude to Mishnah Torah... I mean, the Rambam definitely felt that his Sefer was... Uh, he writes to one of his students, you should learn the Sefer again and again and again yeah. and take it with you wherever you go. Okay. Now, again, so... I mentioned already before, and... Uh, one has to do with... One has to do with uh, knowing the Allah and the other has to do with... The learning for its own sake. So they're two separate things. Right, so right. Not again learning for its own sake. I teach Gemara too, but the halachas, like I said, you probably don't need to go anywhere else. Right, and he splits up the day, and one of those things is no. But the, I, the, the Rambam uh, also Talmud and that is yeah. The, but the Rambam also the Rambam. My again, I I'm, I, I read that letter very quickly uh, yesterday <laughs> or the day before, but I think the Rambam is saying that Gemara is only for people who are cut out for it. Right. Well, so, so for the masses, we have Mishnah Torah. It's hard to argue at that point. <laughs> Gemara is very hard. Well, <laughs> nobody's arguing that Gemara is very hard. The question is, 
is there value in is there value in it for the masses? The Rambam seems to hold there isn't, but I believe that most Gedolei Yisrael held that there is. Um, Clearly, the Rambam. I mean, part of the, part of his time. The Rambam. He goes into the whole thing. He one of his tightness on the Rambam is why the Rambam doesn't attribute halachas to the to the Tano to the authority that said this halacha. Anyway, again, we, we, we could do another time. We could go through the whole editor of Pinchas Nine. All right, now. As I've already mentioned, and um, again, we, I could go through the introduction v- um, and show you, or you could do it yourselves, read the whole introduction properly, you'll see it's very clear that there's three functions of the Bezdin, of the Sanhedrin of each generation. Number one, to transmit the Mepiyash Mor, the oral law. Number two, to transmit what they have figured out in each. Um, I'll actually just read to you one, one line of the Rambam that's kind of... Pu- the introduction to the Rambam kind of consists of four parts, if you will. Um, first is the part which is called the Hakdama, the introduction. Then he has the count of the positive mitzvahs, which is, matches his count in the Book of the Mitzvahs. Then you have the count of the negative mitzvahs. And then you have the count of the whole order of the Mishnah Torah. So all 14 books and all, and how each of the 613 mitzvahs are in the order that they're going to be in the Mishnah Torah. So at the end of the third of those f- four parts, at the end of the count of the negative mitzvahs, the Rambam says, these are the 630 mitzvahs that were told to Moshe. I'll read in Hebrew and translate. Elohim sheish these are the 613 mitzvahs that were told to Moshe Them and their detail and their, and their general rules and the details and the detail details. All of those general rules and detailed rules and and very detailed rules and the explanations of each mitzvah mitzvah. He that is. The Torah Shabal Peh, Shekiblu Bezdin Mipi Bezdin, that each Bezdin received from the Bezdin. So he's consistent in his language. Uh, the Rambam is king of being consistent in his language. And that's another point which I'm hoping to get to in a moment. And then there's mitzvahs Acherish and Ischadra Achamat and Torah, those new mitzvahs that were. that were. That were created after Matan Torah, such as reading the Megillah, Ner Hanukkah, Tainus Tishbav, da 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 da. And then there's also, it doesn't mention it explicitly here, but it's mentioned uh, previously, the things that are deduced with the Shloisha Sremidis with the 13 principles. Now, in Hilchis Mamrim, Hilchis Mamrim, it's the is that the, the third to last set of halachas in the Rambam, right before the end? We just so mamrim is based on the word zokin mamri. It's rebellion, and it's all the laws of those who rebel against the Torah. Here's how the Rambam introduces this: Hilchas mamrim, Perak aleph halacha aleph, Bezdin hagodl shebirushalayim, the the supreme Sanhedrin in Yerushalayim, him ikat toyeshabalpeh. They are the ikar, the essence of Torah Shabbat Vehem amudei harah, they are the pillars of instruction. Umehem choyke mishpat yoytzei l'chol Yisrael, and from them, law and 
Ordinance. Ordinance. Paskening goes out to all of Israel. Translate that word, somebody. The Torah entrusted. entrusted. Right. Whoa. Good one. You just said a tremendous, tremendous Kiddush without even realizing it. Yeah, I'm still trying to figure out the Kiddush I said. Okay. <laughs> well, the book I'm reading from, the English drama I'm reading from, says, concerning them, the Torah promises. Right? Concerning them, the Torah promises. Shenemar and he quotes here a verse from the beginning of Parashat Shoftim, which is the mitzvahs of setting up judges and courts, that you should go, you should do according to the laws that they instruct you. I say this is a positive commandment. Okay, so, firstly, the positive commandment? Oh, the positive commandment to do according to what the Bezdin tell you to do. Okay, so the normal way, or the, before Ari came along, what was the normal way of translating those words were, concerning them, the Torah promised. So it's just to say, this is a positive commandment, which is a bit of a non sequitur, right? Is that the word? Is, is it a promise or is it a positive commandment? Is Hashem promising us that we will have a Sanhedrin, or is He commanding us to go to do what the Sanhedrin tells us to do? Mm. <laughs> oh, like Avtacha, right? Right? Now, let's go back a second to the beginning of the Salacha and read it. Who said before? I think that the Rambam is here alluding to three things. They are the essence of the oral law. What does Ikotayosh mean? They are the thing of oral law. What is the oral law? If I tell you the oral law, what does that mean? The Rambam has defined that term very clearly on his introduction. The oral law uh, is the explanations of each mitzvah that were given to Moshe Rabbeinu at Sinai, but were not recorded in writing, they were transmitted. Tefillin have to be square. Allah al-Moshe Mishinai, So number one, the Sanhedrin are Iketayosh Peh. Like the Ramam says, the Bezdin of each generation are responsible to transmit the Iketayosh Peh. Then he says, Veheim Amudei Hahira. They are the pillars of instruction. What does pillars of instruction mean? Those instruction means that when we have any doubts, we come to them and they determine our doubts by employing the tools of the 13 principles. And I don't have it here. Who, who, anybody have a Rambam very quickly accessible on their phone? Okay, it doesn't matter. I'll just say it from memory. It's in Hilchas Isuri Bia, I think it's Parakud Aleph, where the Rambam describes how, in, according to Torah law, um, there's a different, not all blood that a woman sees makes, there's nida and zava. Nowadays we have everything, we call it nida, but whatever, there's, depending on exactly what day of her cycle she saw that there was blood, there would be different laws. And the Rambam says that that, that I, I think you're okay. Keep going. And the Rambam says that that was the case when they had the Bezdin Hagadol, and whenever there was a doubt about whether or not this blood was category A or B or C, they would go to the Bezdin HaGadol and they would determine all the different types of blood. But now that we don't have that to fall back onto, so we had to create a system where, which was much simpler to stick to, and that's why we have the system that we have today of the laws of family purity, where there's no difference in whatever she's his blood, it's just 
five days, seven clean days. The there were thing. like kinds of reds even that were. Like there were kinds of reds, but more importantly, there were different days of the cycle. Okay, mm-hmm. so so that's the second part of the bezdin. That you have a doubt, you don't know what to do. You go to the bezdin, and they tell you what to do. And that's I think I'm suggesting the Rambam's alluding to in his second ones. The they're the pillars of instruction. And then he says the third thing. From them, Mishpat emerges or goes out to all of Israel. That's the thing that the Rambam says here, that they create new laws. They tell you, okay, from now on you have to create Purim, you have to create Hanukkah, you have to wash your hands, you have to keep Tisha you have to make an Eruv. So the Rambam is referring to those three things. And then he says, you found it? Yeah, thank you. And then he says, like Ari translated, not concerning them, the Torah promised. The word hifticha can mean promise, but it could also mean, like many of you learn, shar habitachin. What does that mean? The gate of? Trust. The Torah trusted them. The Torah relies on them to be the transmitters of those three things, as the Rambam elaborated on in the Hektoma. And then he brings the Pasuk, and he says, now, now there's no contradiction. It's not, is it a promise, is it a mitzvah? The Torah relies on them, and, we ha- and therefore we have a mitzvah to listen to them. And by the way, here, in, in the Rambam that I just mentioned to you as well, the Rambam uses the same expression. Concerning that if a person had a doubt about the blood, da, 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 he would go to the Supreme Sanhedrin and ask them, and again, they translate here as the Torah promised concerning them, but I think a more accurate translation would be as the Torah has relied on them, that whatever they tell you, whether the blood is pure or impure, you should rely on them. It's the same word. Yeah. Now, mentioned before that the Rambam is the king of consistency, consistency in language. So the problem with this reading of the Rambam is that in most places in the Rambam, where the Rambam uses the word haftacha, it means promise. Now, I don't know if it's such a big problem, because sometimes the... the, By the way, I have a... a, There's different ways of searching Rambam, but one one of the apps I have that you can search Rambam, you put in a word and it gives you anywhere you have the same root. So if I put in haftacha... So <laughs> I get all the results of where it says Haftacha, and also all the results of where it says Avatiach, which means a gourd or a melon. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> but they're not hard to to um, to, to third. <laughs> yeah, it's not like you have hundreds of results. You know, you're talking about twenty, thirty results. It's easy to think. So, it, you know, by the way, for example, if you Google this, how many primary colors are there? Right, 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 right. Whatever. So how many? Seven. Seven. Uh, the, I want to. How many primary? Oh, primary colors. How many primary colors there are? Primary colors. That's it. Maybe the, maybe I'm using the wrong word of primary colors. But for example, in our minds, red, pink, and orange, and brown are four different colors. Right. But in other and societies and right. But in other societies and in other and in other uh, in other generations and other societies, those may all have been considered as one color. And just like. I think purple is a color, and my wife thinks, well, there's purple and violet and indigo, and then she sees them as fine maroon, and they're all different colors, right? So the difference between, all I'm bringing out, by the way, this has a big halachic ramifications, because when it comes to the colors of blood, when we're reading ancient shuvas about it, when they say red, they may be referring to what we call today brown. 
paint. Oh, it's like when you go to Home Depot to buy white paint. There's twenty-seven different types of white paint. Exactly. Absolutely. Right. Oh, he's saying the chumrah, right? They would. Yeah. Okay. I don't want to get. I don't want to get sidetracked. It's possible that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Now, so so here's the question. So on the so I'm at, what I'm asking is, is there really a a difference, such a big difference between the word promise and the word rely? They're both the same same idea. That you could rely on this, you could think. But I have a suggestion to make. All the other times in the Torah where it talks, in the Rambam, where he mentions God promising, it's Hiftiach Hashem, for example, by Moshe Rabbeinu, Hiftiach Hakel Bekach. Hashem promised him in this. Or. Um, Hashem promised that everyone would do tshuva. Okay, we're not going to go through all of them now. There's only one other time. I just showed you two times in the Rambam where it says, The Torah was on it, which I'm translating as relies on it. There's only one other time where you have that exact formulation in the Rambam. And that is in Hilchis Malachim about Mashiach, where he says, that if a Torah, if a, a, well, he describes the process of a king becoming Mashiach, and he says if he does X, Y, and Z, he is becheskes Mashiach, he is assumed to be Mashiach, and then it says, but if he is not successful, then we were which is normally translated as we know that he is not the one concerning whom the Torah promised. Right now, what is the function of Mashiach? So this is a topic which I believe we've discussed before, and it certainly deserves its own class, and it's fascinating to see how the Rebbe goes through the Rambams about Mashiach and uncovers layers upon layers of detail over there, which, on the one hand, you could have never figured it out without the Rebbe, and on the other hand, once you learn the Rebbe Sichas, it's like staring at you in the face, and obviously <laughs> that that's what the Rambam means. Um, but, but the point is that the function of Mashiach is to restore the completion of Torah. He restores the Davidic dynasty, he rebuilds the temple, restores carbon and sacrifices, he restores the Sanhedrin, he's Koifa, Kol Yisrael, he influences all of Israel to follow the ways of the Torah. He is the promises of the Torah? He is, he is, he is the, he is the, um, one second, he is the Avbezdin, he's the leader of the Bezdin of, of his generation. Mm-hmm. Rambam He's a greater prophet, almost as great as Moshe Rabbeinu. So, so in many ways, the, Ram, the Mashiach is there to pick up where the Sanhedrin left off. We had the Sanhedrin, the Bezdin, from generation to generation to generation who were, who were, who were upholding the three elements of tradition and also Shaitrim, um, you know, enforcing the law. And then around the destruction of the temple, a little before, a little after, there's in different stages, the Sanhedrin ceases to be. And everything unravels from there. We don't, we don't have the opportunity to do all the mitzvahs, we don't have the, uh, when there's machloikas, we don't have the ability to have a uniform decision that unites all Jews the same way, we're not able to do all the mitzvahs, etc., etc. Comes along Mashiach and he picks up all of that. 
and he creates a unified Jewish people, he creates a Sanhedrin, he creates a king, he creates a, an environment where we could com- actually fulfill all 613 mitzvahs. The Torah relies on him to bring itself, the Torah, to mm-hmm. complete fruition. I just want to say, like, you don't have to take one interpretation and say that at, at the exclusion of the other one. I agree. It's both. I mean, Hashem is promising us something, but there's also the part that He's also entrusting us to fulfill this mission. There's yes, a mission but, Hashem but, is but, giving, but, but giving yes. Mashiach, but also Hashem is trusting Mashiach. Right, but the, here's what I think, because I saw in the Mifal Mishnah Torah Rambam, they also translate this as entrusting and not promising, but they, I think they have it a bit wrong. They say, not about Mashiach, about the Sanhedrin, they say, that the Torah tells us to rely on them. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think the Torah is telling us to rely on them. The Torah, it's Hashem Himself, and the Torah itself is relying on them to be accurate transmitters of it, of the right. Torah, of God's right. will. And that's the same role that Mashiach plays. Right, right, right. One guy's saying. Right, it's, it's. Go ahead. I was just saying, he's. One guy's saying, I was right next to Moshe, and I got it directly from Moshe. The other one says, well. I got it from the student of the student of Moshe. So the one that you take 